0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All Things Podcast, Episode 92, Proposing Projects to Your Team. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Koran. If you've been enjoying the podcast so far and you want to support us, there's a couple of ways that you could do that. You can review us on that Apple podcast or on the platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on Patreon. There's only a couple of tiers, but the $3 tier will give you a shout out in the podcast, and we will share a link to your website in our show notes. And probably the most important one is just to tell your friends that we're here and ready to be listened to, share us, and get us out there. And if you or your friends are ready to go a step further, you can come check out our Discord server. Got a bunch of people talking in there, literally hundreds of people talking in there, chatting about different programming languages, web development, movies, some off-topic stuff, whatever. It's all there, so come and uh, check us out, hang out, and uh, etc. cetera. Link to that is in our show notes, of course. But of course, as we always do, uh, Weekly Pain Point, Mike, please take it away.
1: All right. Uh, so weekly pain point this week is constant reprioritization. Um, I don't know if anyone has this problem, but when you're working on multiple projects with a team or multiple projects just by yourself, uh, I find it's constantly like every day is a completely different priority. And you, I can never plan for a whole week of work. That's my biggest problem with this is that when I sit down and plan my week, at the end of the week, it always looks different because every day is like, okay, well, we're putting this on the back burner. This is being reprioritized, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing wrong with that. And like, I understand that's normal life cycle stuff with businesses. Um, it's just makes it a little bit more difficult to plan far in advance. So I've, what I've taken to do is literally plan it day by day. I plan one day ahead and that's it. Cause so far, I haven't been able to get into a nice enough rhythm with one project uh to be able to work, you know, to be able to plan ahead more than a day, which is I think maybe a problem, but uh <laughs> I've been managing somehow. Um that's about it for me. What about you, Matt?
0: Uh so my weekly pain point this week is actually false urgency. Uh I mentioned this on the show before uh, and explained what it is. Basically, just people making making things seem like uh, that whatever it is they need is extremely urgent. And then when you do it, or finally answer them, or answer them with a question like, "Hey, I need your login details" or something, uh, they don't get back to you for a very long time. A uh, very long time is in in terms of the urgency scale, so it means like maybe they get back to you at the end of the day, or several days, or like a week later. Um, but uh, just having some weird problems with a couple of projects where get a phone call, everything's all like, "Oh my god, like what do we do?" Or get a text message like, "Oh my god, what do we do?" Sort of, you know, sort of urgency, or at least it seems that way. And then when you finally talk to the person, or you know, trying to get into the weeds, it becomes like, well, you know, we're not that concerned about this, we're not that worried, and uh, you know that that will disrupt your your workday if anything. So, kind of having some trouble with that due to some project uh, project things, but uh, you know, working through it because it's a, a part of this job, unfortunately. So, but uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different. So, I don't actually have half the show notes intentionally, and Mike also doesn't have half the show notes. So. What we've done here is we've each come up with a project and uh, kind of listed out some of our ideas in different seg- in different little sections. So, for example, I'm going to be showing off a, an app with its MVP and its wish list and those type of things. And what this, what this episode is, is these are just fake apps. You know, we're not saying we're going to make these apps in any way. But these are just app ideas that we had, and we're going to sort of propose them to each other. Now, I want to preface this by saying that this isn't a formal a formal thing that you would do to an investor. You know, I didn't go out and do graphs. I didn't do market research. I didn't do anything. This is pure, like as if I was sitting on the couch one day, thought up the idea and then decided, Hey, I'll jot this down. So I don't forget it gets to the point where there's enough info there and enough of an idea there where I then bounce the idea off of Mike. So think of it more of like, I'm proposing it to Mike, like certainly, but it's more like I'm bouncing it off of him. He'll come back with feedback and stuff, which you'll see in this episode or listen here in this episode, I suppose. And then kind of go from there. So uh, in my case, in my app, which Mike has no idea, uh, he's never seen it, although I think I may have talked to him about this app idea in the in the past, but um, I wrote up several different uh, sections on a movie collection manager. So uh, it is going to have uh, an MVP, there's a brief description, an MVP, a wish list, uh, and then being uh, a UX sort of guy, I got some use cases. And it's about a about a page and a half ish in point form, so kind of got some stuff to go through and feel free to jump in Mike wherever, and I'm sure you'll do the same thing and I believe that Mike actually on a side note as well is is yours is a little more technical. yours has more use case stuff, so this is sort of very uh indicative of like our different jobs sort of thing uh and it it's kind of how ideas would come to fruition like I know that if Mike comes to me with an idea, he'll bring up and be like, hey, we should use this new language to build this thing." Whereas I'm just thinking like, hey, are there customers for this? What's the use cases? That type of thing. So even our separate documents, I only know his headings. I don't even know what his idea is. But uh, even though he- even his separate headings are going to be indicative of our different jobs. So um, I'm just calling this really generic movie collection manager. And the description is that it's just a web app that allows a user to track their movie collection, including physical and digital copies of the movies that they possess. And the MVP uh, includes like a variety of features. So these are just the features that are listed out in point form. So obviously a user would be able to add movies to their collection and they'd be able to select what medium so something like blu-ray, dvd, vhs, uh even some digital ones so like google play movies, uh the microsoft store which is you know you can purchase or rent movies on xbox or on the windows 10 or on windows 10 on pc so those type of things um users can select multiple versions so for example uh if someone had uh, had the blu-ray and the dvd the user can say like hey i have you know Pulp Fiction on Blu-ray and DVD. They can like, somehow select that. Um, next next point here is going to be that you're allowed to add variants to the movie. So this is actually pretty critical in terms of a movie collection app. So is in whether there's a collector's edition, uh, whether it was the director's cut, the unrated cut, because the actual footage will change. Uh, biggest one in that I can think of that changes the movie a lot is the extended versions of The Lord of the Rings, because they add like, quite a, quite a bit of footage to the actual Lord of the Rings. I've never actually seen the extended editions myself, but I know that they're, you know, quite lengthy. So, there's that. Um, also, movies will be uh, selectable from a list. So, the app will have some sort of database API or something. We'll have some sort of database of movies and TV shows alongside uh, their related meta, which includes, you know, variants and release date and those type of things, those kind of basic meta items. And basically what that is, and I'm going to get into get into the into this a little more in the use cases. But what this, what this means is that someone can go in and say, they click on, say they just bought, I'm going to use Pulp Fiction a lot. So someone goes out, goes to, goes to like wherever buys, buys a copy a Blu-ray copy of uh, Pulp Fiction. They come back, they go to their app and they say like, Hey, I bought Pulp Fiction. They click on, you know, add and they click on the, they click add, they click on like the search bar or whatever. They type in Pulp Fiction, then Pulp Fiction shows up. They click that, they click they have the Blu-ray and then they click add. Now, the app itself had Pulp Viction as an entry already in itself. Again, whether it's an API or whatever, we're not getting into the weeds on that today. And that will pull in the release date, the release versions, whether it was like a director's cut, all the rest of it. Like, you know, what type of additions were available, those type of things. Um, Optionally, uh, to uh, add a date purchased. So I know that some people will absolutely, absolutely uh, need this because let's say they bought it at, like, let's say they bought, uh, let's say they bought the movie like 10 years ago and they know that, like, they just don't know where that box of movies from 10 years ago is. So this purchase, as long as they kept up with this app, by, by seeing the, by seeing their purchase date, they're able to, you know, easily filter themselves out. That's basically the use case there. There's a, basically able to filter out their own collection, uh, by their own knowledge. Uh, also exporting, so export the list to, you know, something like a CSV or something that they can easily throw into an Excel sheet if they needed to, you know, give this to a friend or something like that, Just something easily exportable, whatever format that is. Uh, that'll end it for the MVP, I'll go on to the wish list unless Mike has any other questions or anything like that. No, I'll, I'll
1: chime in at the end.
0: Okay, cool. Um, okay, so a wish list then. So a wish list is a little more, because the wish list kind of changes... What it is. Um, so I'll kind of go through it and then I'll, again, I'll explain it in the last part with the use cases. So on the wish list, you have multiple custom lists, uh, that users could make themselves. So for example, my collection, you know, mom's collection, whatever. Like if you're a person that is quickly going through the, like, quickly going through all of the DVDs and the Blu rays in the family and you want to know, like, this one's at your mom's house, this one's at your dad's house, this one's at, you know, whoever's house, Bill's house, whoever. Just custom lists that you're able to quickly make up yourself. Um, something specific, or, or a specific list functionality, which would be a watch list, uh, a watch status, and movies to buy. So I don't know whether this would again high level, but I don't know whether this would be one one type of list or just functionality in custom lists. But basically, it would have, it would. You know, but it's, it would say has the user watched X movie in their collection, and they'd be able to when they're adding the movie say, you know, yes, I've watched this, or you know, no, I haven't watched it, and then the app would be like, okay, these are the movies you haven't watched. So just something else that they could potentially filter by. Uh, the watch list could even be uh, movies that the uh, user wishes to add to their collection, so they could add like almost like a wish list, if you will. So they they don't own the Blu Ray, the DVD, or the Google Play uh, movies; they don't own any of those versions, but. They they want to buy them so they can add it to their wish list. Uh, a barcode scanner as well. that's a big one. So users could pick up their DVD cases, for example, and just quickly, you know, beep, 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 literally just keep beeping them into the app, scanning the QR codes and or the barcodes on the back of the cases. That would make things a lot easier, especially if they have a lot of physical medium, uh, physical mediums. Uh, also, uh, streaming uh, service integration. Uh, so... Users can add the streaming services they own. So, you know, it'd be something simple like, do you have Netflix? Yes. Do you have Disney Plus? Yes. And then, assuming there's an API or something out there that has, like, whether this movie is available on Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever, the app would actually show show that. So, my my use case for this would be, and I'm, I know I'm bringing up use cases throughout this whole thing, but I'll get into the weeds of it next in the next segment. But uh, one of the things I was thinking of is it's like, if you, if you let's say, you... You, I'm just gonna use Pulp Fiction again. I'll use this constantly. So, you buy, let's say you buy Pulp Fiction on Blu ray. You haven't actually watched it. So, you you know, you tell the app, I haven't watched this. And then because you've added it to your collection, the app recognizes, hey, this is available on Netflix. At some point, maybe you're out doing something. You're out staying at a friend's house or something like that. And you're like, man, I really wanna watch a movie. You could go into your collection list. See which ones that you've you've purchased, so clearly you want to watch them, but you haven't watched them yet. Pulp Fiction shows up and it says, "Hey, this is available on Netflix." Then you can, you know, click into Netflix and you know that's it. So there's that use case there. Also, another one is uh, store tracking. So store tracking is uh, viewing is to view pricing on movies and and and, uh, movies from digital services, excuse me, and other online stores like Amazon that ship you the physical Blu-ray or whatever. Uh, So this would be. This would be used for something like notifications from a user's purchase list or different uh, edition of, or addition, different editions of a, of a user's movies that appear on sale. So, for example, if someone put in that they only have the VHS version of The Lord of the Rings, the first one, maybe the Blu-ray goes on sale on Amazon, and depending on the user settings, they might get a push notification that's like, hey, you can upgrade your version from the VHS to the Blu-ray for you know, 10 bucks or whatever it is on sale for. So that, that's sort of that part there. Um, also Plex tracking. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm obviously big into Plex. So, uh, this would track if the user has, uh, added a particular movie into their collection and Plex. So whether the person has gone in and, you know, ripped the Blu ray or whatever it is and then th- thrown it into their Plex. Also, uh, it'll track which movies that they own in a physical medium. So like a DVD or a Blu ray and what, whether or not that, that physical medium has been Plexed yet. And so there could be like a list functionality there where it's like, hey, you know, you set it in the app that you want all Blu-rays to be on your Plex. You know, you added ten movies and only five of them are in your Plex, and it may, you know it sets aside a little list for you, like, hey, these are the two Plex items, kind of thing. Um, also, that this could be tied into the store tracking as well, so you could have something like, if uh, you know, you want to add something. You want to add something to your Plex, like this. This could be tied in with the wish list again. All this is high level, but if you wanted to, like, you wanted to add something to your Plex, you add that to your twoplex Plex list, and you don't physically own it. Maybe this, maybe maybe it goes on sale on Amazon, and so the app says, "Hey, you know, this is this is only ten bucks. Maybe you want to pick it up," type of thing. Uh, and then uh, this is a big one, but another wish list item would be a, a mobile app and sync. So the app would be available uh, ideally on smart devices as apps. Now, whether that's native apps or whatever, whatever works really at the end of the day. Um, and then browsers, of course the, the, the web app, which I would hope would be responsive. Uh, and then, uh, of course data. So data is a big one, especially in a collections app. Uh, so data would uh, need to sync between a user account, um, between or via a user account rather. So that maybe they make an account on the, on the app and it, and it syncs, or if you you know don't want to deal with that type of thing, maybe some other data syncing thing like Google Drive or something where you can quickly just plug it in and it'll pull it from some sort of XML file or JSON file or something like that, that's synced between the two uh, Google Drives. So that kind of concludes it for uh, the wish list of items. And the next one is going to be the use cases. So I have two subcategories under the use cases. The one is uh, MVP only. So assuming that it's only the MVP and none of those extra features that I just said. Really brief, obviously, because the MVP was brief because it's the MVP. Uh, users with large with large collections of movies, particularly collections that span multiple mediums, can use this app to keep track of what they purchased. So the very first thing that I was thinking of is if you're a big movie buff, one of the things that a lot of movie buffs will do, especially if they're either trying to upgrade their DVDs to Blu-rays or if they're just getting into it, they, because they're just getting into it, they don't really have uh, a backlog. Or, the, or rather, they have a backlog. They don't really... They're not on the cutting edge of movie releases. And so, a great thing to do is to go to your local movie store and go and hit up that... Uh, bargain bin the bargain bin gets refreshed every x you know inventory cycles or whatever happens in that store and so you're grabbing a bunch of movies so instead of paying you know 20 30 plus dollars canadian for blu-rays that are brand new or newish you're going in and you're getting blu-rays for 7.99 5.99 dvds for four bucks something like that again all these are canadian prices uh approximately prices so that's sort of where i was thinking is if you're buying things rapid fire and you haven't you know put them into your you haven't like watch them, you might not remember that you bought them. Or if you're a person that has tons and tons and tons of movies and you want to hit up that bargain bin and you're like, man, do I have this? You can quickly check in the app. So that's my number one sort of use case for this. Uh, the second one, second sub, sub, uh, whatever you want to call subcategory, uh, under use cases is the MVP plus the wish list. So this is what I meant by the wish list changes the app. So instead of it just being something that you track it in, what I consider this whole thing is, is it becomes with the wish list a full video entertainment management tool. So this allows you to search for movies and TV shows and whether they're in your collection already, just like the MVP does. But you can also just straight up see whether they're available on a streaming service. And because, because the streaming service functionality is there, you could very easily add a movie that you don't own to your watch list. And then if it gets added to Netflix or if it gets added to Disney Plus or wherever the heck you think it's going to be added to Amazon Prime Video, whatever it is, if you think it's going to be added to one of these services, that app can alert you to it. That, that functionality is there where it says like, Hey, this is now on Netflix. And then you're ready to go that way. Um, also compare, uh, you can compare prices of movies that users would, uh, that users would wish to purchase. And you'd be able to see because it's, it's plugged into, you know, the quote unquote digital physical stores like Amazon where they ship you a physical product or something that's totally digital where you watch the movie on Google Play Movies or on YouTube or whatever it is or wherever you buy them. Uh, those, those, uh, all have different prices. Those all have different things. Rentals or all that too. So this app would allow you to easily Let's say add like you really want to watch the Joker or whatever the latest Joker movie and you don't know like should I rent it should I buy it what's the normal price whatever you add it to your collection as a you know I haven't watched this I don't own it you'd be able to see oh it's this much on Google Play it's this much on Amazon or it's available on Amazon Prime or it's available here or it's available here whatever the situation is you'd be able to see the prices whether you can just watch it already whether it's available on Amazon Prime maybe but maybe you don't have that so you're like oh wait like you know three or four of my movies are on Amazon Prime I should probably just get Prime because it's going to save you some money. So, this app really becomes sort of like your movie and t v show central. This is sort of my my thought with the wish list. This is especially true because of the uh the sync functionality, which is extremely crucial and to be fair, the actual uh syncing is probably kind of ish should be in the m v p uh, that's, that's the one I was on the fence. So I threw it at the end of the wish list cause I wasn't really sure because my main use case for the MVP is you're at the store. So unless you're going to be adding all of this movie collection stuff just on your phone, which many would, so it might still work, but just all adding it all on your phone to a web app, you know, you probably want that sync cause you might be going through everything and cataloging all your movies on your desktop or on your laptop and then, or even a tablet, whatever, or scanning things. And then you might go to the store and you're not going to be bringing your whole laptop and everything with you. You're just going to have your phone in your pocket. So it'd be nice to have that collection data. So you're like, Hey, did I buy this before? And you know, yes or no. Yes, you have it. No, you don't.
1: Okay. So that's, that's the wrap up for the whole, that's the the movie.
0: That's, that's my, that's my movie collection. collection manager. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, like you said, we have, we have talked about this before, but yeah, you've definitely expanded on, on the thought process. You've probably been thinking about it quite a bit. Uh, the big thing with you is, is, that you're, you're a big movie buff. Oh, yeah. And you'll, more than a movie buff, I think you're more of a collect, a collector of movies. Um, whether it be physical or digital at this point, cause I think Plex kind of converted you into being okay with digital as well, because it, it's still kind of a physic, it, it adds that element to it, the collection element to it, which is interesting. Um, and you're obviously not the only one. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Now, for me, like, I'm not a collector. I, I do like movies, but I'm not a collector. So it's tough to me, for me to like wrap my head around investing a lot of time into managing a collection. But then again, I have seen a lot of people, you know, whether it's like a collection of cards, whether it's a collection of whatever, what I usually see as a solution to something like this when a solution doesn't exist is like someone opens up an Excel sheet, puts all the fields that they want in there and then just manages it through there. So that's obviously not the most optimal solution. And um, I and I do have that. That's what I figured. I do yeah. I
0: do have an Excel sheet that's tracking so, a bunch of it and it it gets to the point where it's just not comfortable to use on a phone.
1: So my question is, how many apps have you tried already? Zero. So you have never tried a movie collections app?
0: No, because we have a so I have a weird uh problem and I don't know whether I don't know whether it's personal or whether other movie guys would have this, but obviously I've purchased movies on uh I've obviously purchased movies on like Google play m- like movies or whatever, and so I have them there they're just sitting there and I would love for those movies to be you know those are technically a part of my collection, but you're right like the plex is sort of like actually my collection it's indicative of my blu rays and such and so it's one of those it's one of those questions where i don't know i think what i guess what i'm what I'm wondering is is it's like how do I add that to my collection to be a part of my collection? It feels like it's like a satellite thing on the side. It feels like it's Netflix, even though they're not going to be taken away because I physically purchased them on Google Play Movies. Uh, it just doesn't feel like it's mine. And I don't know whether it's because of the other ones I have the physical medium of, and these are just streams or like what it is. I don't know what it is, but there's mm-hmm. something weird. There's something weird about it
1: uh so why why do you think it's weird to use an app like what are an, what in like how i'm seeing it a basic movie collections app you type in the movie that you own into the search it queries the database of all the movies out there like uh what, what is it the the movie database i think is one of the biggest ones the movie db mm-hmm. um it queries that as an api and then it displays it and then you just click add yeah um i could see it probably not knowing what type like it's not going to ask you like where do you own it maybe it does like i'm not sure i've never used any of these but i'm saying is like i think one of your differentiating factors is that you're adding the where do you own it feature well because
0: the thing the thing is is like it, it one of the major one of the major problems actually is the fact that so i have like i uh how would i even say this like it's almost like chat apps there are literally times where i can't remember if i bought something and i have duplicates of a movie and sometimes I have bought it on Google Play and then I go and buy it on the – buy a Blu-ray of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's because I just didn't think to look in Google Play. I just forgot that I bought it. It was on sale and I just forgot that I bought it. And then some of these deep Blu-rays and that give me a Google Play version. So I just like – it's like there's, there's a collection everywhere. Like this is the major problem where it is everywhere. And that's the major issue I think.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the major issue is you want to consolidate it so you know like you have both the digital version and the physical version. That's the problem, is like you don't know which ones you have because you want to know. That's yeah. your thing. Like you for me, like as a as a regular user, maybe not a collectioner, I don't really care. Like if I have the the Blu-ray and it gives me a digital version, for me, I don't care which one I watch or which one I know I have or whatever. Like, I'll forget about the Google Play version most likely. Like, that's probably the case. But the that's thing is, happen. though, is
0: is that version, that version comes in handy. So there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'm going on, like, a trip this weekend. And, like, I'm a night owl, so I don't sleep. So, like, if everyone's asleep and I'm still awake, it'd be great to have some movies with me. Now, whereas I love my Blu-ray collection and everything, it'd be really great if I could just... No, like if i type into this app and it says hey you have the blu-ray and the google play version so it's like oh damn okay and then i'll just go to the google play and you know download it or whoever works or if i have internet there stream it but then i know where it is it's 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 the same as chat apps to me because i have so many damn chat apps these days that i literally sometimes when i'm like oh i'm gonna message this person okay give me a sec like i can't remember which app i talked to them
1: yeah it's like a consolidation like for a chat app it would be like one app that has all of them in there like there are apps that kind of pseudo do that but they're not very good like i've tried many of them like they constantly log you out of all the different platforms and they usually launch just launch the other apps oh yeah and it's tough to search contacts between them like i haven't found one that can search contacts between all apps It just kind of just shows you them all. i don't know it's there, ha- there hasn't been a good solution to that so it's the same thing for movies um there isn't a good solution to show you where like all your movies are located. I agree. Okay, fair enough. Uh, So next question here is, how would you monetize? Like, would it be like a per, like just, you know, since it's a niche product, would you just be like, you know, 10 bucks for the app? Yearly license? Or would it be like a one-time? Like, would you just literally buy the app? Or are you thinking affiliate advertisements, like with the whole Amazon integration? Like as soon as you said, you know, show Amazon pricing, I thought, oh, you could affiliate that. You can make some money there. Um, I don't know if that's legal or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, like there's, I, I can see a lot of ways, but what are you thinking?
0: Honestly, I was thinking of two ways, and affiliate's a good idea because I didn't think of that. Uh, the first way I was thinking is literally just straight-up ads. I'm always a fan of advertising. I'm always a fan of monetizing the free users. So the app would be available for free, and then that would be the case. Um, I was also thinking of having a payment, whether it be monthly which probably wouldn't be super successful or uh, you know a one time thing to unlock additional feature set and probably remove the ads and the additional feature set would be probably taking it from MVP to the full app or something or some sort of combination of those two where it would give you like I don't know if some of those APIs like some APIs cost money so it you know that maybe it would have to be 99 cents a month per user or something like that maybe that would be the case but I do see, see, the thing is, is I have the same problem with with video games, too, is there's, there's they give them away at such a frequency. Now, obviously, movies aren't really given away, but the the giveaway movie really is like if you go to the store, buy the Blu-ray, and you get the Google Play version for free. That's sort of the giveaway. Like, you went there to buy the Blu-ray, didn't go there to buy the Google Play version. That's the giveaway. In games, they give away so many, so many friggin' things, and then there's, there's, like Xbox, there's the PlayStation, there's Microsoft Store, there's Epic Play Store, there's Steam, and there's Twitch. Like Twitch has a games there too now. Like Twitch is a game launcher in the Twitch app. So it's like there's seriously times where I've I don't think I've ever, ever actually accidentally, accidentally purchased an app or a game I've already owned, but it like it'll happen. I know it's going to happen because I just don't know. Like I've been into my Twitch app before and been like, "What the hell's all this?" Like just find a whole bunch of apps that I – or a whole bunch of games that I just didn't know I had.
1: Yeah. Um, so the the big thing I see here is the, the barrier to entry for regular people is if they're not passionate about their collection, they're not going to go through the effort of entering every movie that they own, every copy that they own, et cetera, et cetera. So the more – the ease of use that you have there, like the integration with Netflix, the integrations with Plex, the integrations with everything that you have, Amazon – being able to like automatically tag the movies that you have, that's good. And then the scanning, the barcode scanning, I think that'll help for regular users. Mm-hmm. Now, where I see this being effective is the big collectors, like the ones that really have massive collections and do need the management, like yourself or wh- whatever. Like it, it eventually, you'll become probably like you're going to keep buying it, so you're going to have an outrageous amount of DVDs, Blu-rays, and digital copies. For them, like I. <sighs> Monetization aspect of this, I see it as a a free trial. I don't know if it's a thirty day or I don't know if it's maybe a free trial like you were saying, like basic MVP features free trial. Maybe that's the better way to go, and then like a ten or fifteen dollar upgrade to the premium version, like a significant cost upgrade. Because if you have the features that you're saying and they're valuable to the collectors, I don't think that fifteen dollars is an issue for a collector. Right. To be able to use it. And that's a good amount of money to receive to be able to, you know, manage your costs. Um, That's how I see it. Uh, I don't know if ads is the way to go. I think affiliate with the Amazon linking and all that, I think that's – I would still put that in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's scummy or not. You can
0: Well, I, I don't think it's scummy if you say yeah. that. Like if you have yeah. a little, you know, disclaimer. a little I or whatever disclaimer yeah, in that exactly. section when you go to look, you could just say like these are affiliate links.
1: You know? Yeah, and then I would potentially also do ticketing for movie theater movies as well, like, you know, affiliate marketing with movie theater movies. So that, that's where I'm looking at it from. Like that's, I can see, I can see there being potential in it. I also see a pretty big upfront effort. Oh, yeah. And, and a kind of a, I don't know. So the problem is, is like, I can't get, like, I wouldn't be able to give you a a definite answer if we want to build it or not. Like the, but if we had the time, like right now we don't have the time to build no, anything. Definitely I'm just not. saying like, if, if it was a real pitch i would be like okay should we build it or not the next steps would be what let's evaluate the market like how many apps exists i would tell you to go and use like three or four different apps that are rated high on google uh and just try them out with the intention that you're going to use them as a collection app and see if they satisfy your needs like or are they garbage and if they're garbage even if there are four or five of them doesn't matter because we can make something better and i'd say that's a decent idea because I always like targeting a good niche because people in a niche will will um, tend to be more favorable with you know buying the product. Oh yeah. Rather than where you're when you're targeting the general audience, they're not willing to pay money for minor convenience, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's, this- it,
0: I I agree with you there. Uh, I do think that there is a barrier to entry because. You're right. The everyday person that's just using, you know, Netflix or whatever, they're probably just going to be browsing Netflix and stuff. And if you're a person and like everyone has this has moments like these where you specifically want to watch a movie but you just don't know where they are, you can Google or literally Bing it and it'll show you, "Hey, this is this is available here. Hey, this is available here." And so it and, like, if you don't want to go through all your streaming services, you can obviously search your streaming services as well. But it'll, oftentimes it'll just tell you it's available from Microsoft here, it's available from Google Play here, it's available on Netflix right now, it's available here. And so you have that luxury already without installing an app and, and putting it in. I think you're right. I think it is the people that want the collection aspect of it. They want to have, like, they want to purchase and own, you know, that DVD, that Blu ray. Uh, They want to purchase and own that they want to purchase and own something on even like if they if they transfer, I think one of the big bigger audiences maybe is people who bought DVDs and Blu-rays for years and years and years, you know, finally got good Internet and they don't really care about the physical media themselves. They just like having all these movies. So they just go and they actually start purchasing digital copies that like this app would would uh, connect the two that's the biggest yep. thing because like one of the problems i actually had was and we've had we're we've had so many conversations on ecosystems one of the things was is i was like when i was starting this i was like hey well maybe i could just you know when i want to buy a movie i'll buy it all in the same service and i'll just go and i'll build up my google play movies collection and that'll be my collection the problem is is it's different prices across the board it's different this it's different that uh it and it like i don't I don't want to rely on the cloud all the time. Like, I prefer to have the disc. You know, I prefer to have prefer to have the disc. I prefer to have the Blu-ray. It just, it just feels nicer. I don't know what it is. But this app bridges the gap between... I have the physical object that I own. But I have the convenience of digital there, too. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things I saw, I remember... Been to, like, a few yard sales the year that netflix came out and people were selling dvds and blu-rays like you wouldn't believe and it was like well the stuff's on netflix it's like well today and they did not know that the stuff gets up you know gets pulled down gets moved gets taken away temporarily gets taken away forever comes back does all the rest of it this is well before the days of netflix originals well before those days and so this was just movies and tv and they're like well we have netflix now so we just don't need these dvds and that
1: i was honestly one of those people i think i didn't sell anything but like i immediately lost interest in physical media as soon as stuff like netflix came out because before like i don't know i i would pirate every once in a while but i didn't really like it that much the experience of it um because it was kind of finicky and viruses and all that, and but as soon as Netflix came out and it's one price for like a million different things, that was the solution for me. And you're right, where I didn't, I didn't think in the future where like what happens when they remove the movies that I want to watch because I would have like a big watch list, and I and then all of a sudden the movie would be gone.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Like four months, five months, six months later, a year later, two years later, whatever, uh, which sucks. So, and then. The worst thing that happened was all of a sudden, there's like 15 different net streaming services now. Oh, yeah. All different offerings. Everyone's trying to buy different stuff for each other to be exclusive. So that's like worst case scenario for me. So that's where like physical media now makes more sense than ever before in my eyes. Like the new Ultra HD movies that are coming out, that's kind of interesting to me. Like maybe I'll start buying those mm-hmm. because when Blu-rays came out, I started buying those. Um until Netflix kind of took over. So maybe I'll go back to that because I don't like this different, like I don't, I'm not paying for 15 different streaming services. It's just not happening. I'm paying for Amazon prime because I use their delivery. Like if they broke out the cost into a separate streaming service done, I'm not paying. Yeah, for it's, gotta, it's gotta be said that Amazon.
0: I wouldn't, I have Google or I have Amazon prime video as an incident of, yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. And I have Netflix. I'm not, I'm not, period i'm not paying for anything else if netflix starts you know shitting the bed i'll remove netflix and go to whatever else is dominating at that time if there's anything dominating i could see are you
0: a person that likes to browse or because i i do have i do have a friend that will only buy the streaming service in which they want to watch something on and so if they decide hey i want to watch tiger king they'll buy netflix for that month watch tiger king if they haven't finished it, they'll buy Tiger. You know, they'll buy another month of Netflix, and then they'll be like, "Oh, okay, I'm done watching Tiger King. Done with that. Okay, what's next?"
1: I've done that before. Like I've done, I haven't done that with Netflix, but I've done that with like uh, gaming services, like um, the Microsoft one. I've bought that. Oh yeah, yeah. Then I unsubscribed. Game then Pass. I bought it again to play a different game. Then I unsubscribed again. Same with Uplay. I did that with Uplay once. I don't remember what I was wanted to play. Maybe you bought Assassin's that Uplay
0: streaming or not streaming, but uh, the
1: yeah whatever it was like five bucks for okay. all their their entire collection for a month or something and i just did that and played a game but yeah i've done that uh i haven't done that with movies yet i don't know if i will or not i don't like managing a million subscriptions like i don't like that aspect of it so i probably wouldn't if i didn't have to um i i again, have the
0: unfortunate yeah. thing where i have to i also have brit because i bought that as a as a gift to my parents for christmas for a year so i am also paying for brit box As well, but they they're using the crap out of it. it. Like it is on all the time.
1: So yeah, that's good. So yeah, I, I I mean to to kind of cap it off, I think the app, I think for collectors, I think collectors are a really good audience. If there's actually a gap in this market, like if you actually go in, we do the research, we look at all the different apps, and we figure out that there is a gap and it's not enough, and people are still using Excel sheets major like majority of people are still using Excel sheets. I think there's money to be made and I think there's a reason to do this app. I, maybe there's a reason just to do it out of like pure passion if you're an open source developer in general, if you want to just make an app that has everything and go right ahead and do it. Um, but I think there is an audience out there because collectors are a big, they're like they, they are willing to spend money. That's what I'm trying to say. So it's, it's, it's potentially a money maker. That's why it's interesting to me. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the aspect that it's covering digital and physical and, you know, variations of that, I think is, is really critical because there's some people that would only collect the oddities. Like I have beside me a hackers for for the PSP, (laughs) like just something stupid I found. and was like, fuck, I can find this. It was like two bucks. Uh, but like, that's just hilarious to me. I have like the DVD and everything of hackers. So like the you know but there's some people that would only collect little funny things like that and then their collection is maybe a hundred items, but they're collecting like they have a hundred items but like they're all oddities to them or you know to the to the industry, and so they would be the physical mediums guy. But then there's the like I said the guy that is like running out of space or just doesn't want to buy the physical stuff anymore or is getting older and doesn't want to go to the store or wants the convenience or whatever it is, whatever the case is. And then they decide, I'm going to go to Google Play Video, but I want my collection to still be together. GOG Galaxy 2.0 is a prime example of sort of a collection app, if you will, uh for, you know, it's, a- whoa, about my microphone. It is across... uh Across, uh, you know, Xbox and PlayStation and a bunch of other things. Or, your Steam and all that. Problem being, though, does not include any of your physical media. media. And so I have a bunch of games that are physical. And those obviously aren't included because my accounts only have the digital licenses. They're unaware of the physical licenses because that's verified when you put the disc in.
1: So, a solution for that is to add them as a non-steam game in steam and i believe gog will pick it up that's interesting i believe it will
0: maybe we should try that then
1: 80, 80 or 90 percent sure so yeah like i think there is a way around that but it's kind of I, I don't maybe you can even add it in GOG. like i know steam for sure you can add a non-steam game maybe gog can actually do the same thing
0: i, I all i know for sure is that i mean it was months ago I basically yeah. like signed into all my services, looked around a little bit, and was like, okay, cool, and then <laughs> didn't use it again. So I don't have yeah. an extensive knowledge of GOG.
1: Too. Yeah, I haven't used it very often either. I don't, I don't like again. I'm not a collector, right? So it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me fully to to start managing. But I know that there's people out there that really like collecting and like to manage their libraries and all that and organize them the way they want to. Like it's just a thing. Like that thing exists. Like that that is a thing. And you 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 do that with movies like your plex is a prime example like of you being pretty strict about your naming conventions pretty strict about everything like it has to be in line It has to whatever like you're, you 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 put a lot of effort into it I, something that I wouldn't do, do you know what do you know what I did the other day was so I I'm, I'm a
0: part of two podcasts and so I had a I I now archive my podcasts on there too and I had a glitch where episode 271 272 and 273 were showing up at the end of 274 to 28X. I don't remember what the end was for that. But anyway, it kept showing up at the end. And I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. And I kept checking and checking and checking the meta. And I was like, there's something in the meta. There's something going on. And what it was, was I guess, I, I presume, it was some sort of old Plex version. When I put my my podcast episodes, which I did all the meta for. When I put my podcast episodes onto it, it, I guess that, that particular version couldn't take a blank disk number and so it assigned disk one to it all my other ones i left them blank as well but i presume that was a bug that was that was fixed in plex and i as far as i can tell plex assigns the disk as negative one which means like you know that's blank essentially to anything that doesn't have a a number because one of the stupid or three of the tracks had disc one in it. It made disc negative one surface and then show disc one after negative one because it thought that that was the order. And I was trying to get it to do by track number. And the only reason why I saw that was because the Android version prominently displays the disc, but the act, but the, the desktop version does not. So I had to go in, rip it out, redo the thing, delete the, delete the meta, go put them back in. And then it worked.
1: Yeah, like that's a lot of effort. You know what I mean? Like that's just it's it's not an effort that everyone will put in, but it's that those the people that are passionate about it will do it. So that's why that's why it's an interesting idea. Um, other than that, do you have anything else to add on your your topic, or do you want me to take over the next recommendation?
0: Um, I think, I think we've gone through it. Uh, to be honest, I think that's that's
1: the movie right. collection manager, folks. So mine mine's interesting because it's kind of related to yours it could be a feature of yours even oh oh wow which is interesting yeah okay so problem statement so what's the problem why why did i think of this my friends from different groups and stuff like that constantly tell me to watch different shows different tv shows like you go watch the good place go watch like bojack horseman whatever like they just constantly tell me to go watch shows the good place the good place yeah it's a a show nbc show yeah
0: i'm shaking my head in
1: disapproval it's a pretty good show i actually watched it it's a good show Uh, but regardless, people tell me to go watch shows. And the thing, the system that I have in my own head and what I've started to write down a little bit now is when someone asks me, I'll write it down, but I won't go watch it. Uh, usually unless I'm already interested in it. But if someone were like from a different group or a different friend were to come and be like, Oh, you should watch this show. Then I'll put like a plus one beside it, beside that same show that I wrote down. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put like, and then again, like someone else will. Come tell me and then I'll put another plus, like I'll put a plus two. So that's three people asked me. That's enough for me to be like, okay, I should at least check this out. Like that's not guaranteeing that I'm going to watch it, but I'll at least check it out. Um, and so on. The tough thing is, is that it's tough to like, cause you're, when you're on the go or whatever, like it's tough to always manage all this. Like you'd have to open up your notepad app quickly and do whatever. So the proposal is recommend a show.io. Okay. Uh, it's an app where a user can create an account and then whenever a friend wants to recommend them a show, they can just send them a link to their list and their, the friend can either upvote an already recommended show or add a new one. Okay. And then the friends don't have to sign up for an account cause that's a barrier to entry. It'll be session based link that expires in an hour. So you send them the link, it expires in an hour, or you can set the expiration date however you want, expiration time on the links, however you want in the settings. No, no one will probably touch that. Um, it's going to be a simple user interface, grid style interface, just like a list in boxes, and then it'll flow over depending on uh, screen size. Uh, you'll be able to sort the list by upvotes, by alphabetical, um, maybe other types of sorting mechanisms. I'm not really sure what else you'd need to sort a show by. Uh, and then the user can add his own shows. So if they've, you know, had a bunch of shows that people have already suggested, they can add them themselves. And then all the friends would have to do is go in and upvote them. Uh, and then when a show is clicked on a details light box opens up and displays more information about the show. And this kind of is like your idea, Matt, where you, it shows you where to watch it or buy it or whatever. And that's where an affiliate income could possibly come in. So that's my MVP. That's like base. Yep based functionality um future features would be based on the shows in the list a recommendation engine so it would give you like if you have like you know 10 shows that have been that are in the list then it'll give you shows like them like if you like a lot of sci-fi it'll give you sci-fi shows etc maybe more sophisticated than that maybe it'll be like based on the creator of the shows as well i know for me like i'm really into anything that greg daniels makes he's the creator of the office and the parks and recreation so anything that he makes i'm definitely going to check out so that's why I think the creator recommendation engine would be pretty good. Um, the UI will eventually and hopefully fully integrate to something like Plex and other streaming services. So you can just click and go right to the streaming service or maybe even go right to Plex from the UI, like integrate with them as a company to company. Like this would be a big integration and it would take forever. But if you're a big enough application, you can probably pull it off. Um, and then advertising spots for new, re- newly released shows. So like if a new show's like, like Space Force, were to come out, and it you know the audience for it because this person you know has been recommended The Office and Parks and Recreation yeah, mov- and all movies that movies
0: related to type of thing
1: exactly yeah movies related to shows related to whatever exactly put that as an advertising spot for new shows sell that advertising spot, and then obviously f- expand out to movies that would be an easy one that would probably be like one of the first features if not the I don't know if I would make it like a recommend a movie.io, dot io like separate domain probably not but. In, in like a tab in inside this thing. Um, that's basically the idea for the thing. It's really simple. It's re- it should be fairly simple to to create. Uh, I'm just going to quickly go through the text stack um, that I was thinking of doing because that's kind of how I think through ideas. So front end for the web app, I would go with something that I'm familiar with, like Vue.js. Uh, Vue.js would be powered with Vue.x for state management, Vue Router for changing routes, and Tailwind for the actual front end. Um, the backend I would just use like a Node.js Express installation, like a really simple one that would essentially communicate with an API and a database that would sync your content to your user account. Uh, so your user account would actually be fire w- would be done with Firebase authentication. There's plugins for Node.js for that. It's the easiest one. I don't have to store the user data, uh, secure the user data. I don't want to deal with that, so I'll use Firebase to do that. But what I'll do is based on the user ID, I will create a session or like an an element in my own Mongo database that will store all your settings and your movies and stuff like that. So I'll store the actual information, but the user accounts will be stored by Firebase authentication. Um, The API would use the movie database or whatever other APIs out there that's cheap and free or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deployment. Netlify for the front end, DigitalOcean for the back end. Netlify is free up until a certain point, so that's why I would use that. It gets a little bit pricey when you start scaling. Um, but at that point you're
0: monetizing hopefully, so
1: That's what I'm that's kind of like the thought process that I have. And secondly, like I can easily pull it from Netlify if I have to once I do scale and put it on anything else that I want to. Um, and DigitalOcean is just cheap back end like 5 bucks a month would probably be enough. I don't really have to store too many images. So maybe I will have a $5 a month uh, like image storage for commonly used API uh, TV show covers. And then testing environment, I would just use like a local Vue.js server and Docker for the backend to replicate the backend environment that I would have in DigitalOcean just to make it easier to deploy and test. Um, But that's about it. Like, again, simple application solves kind of one issue that I personally have, um, don't know how long it would take to make. It would probably be somewhere in the realm of like two weeks to a month for the MVP.
0: That's not, I, I, was, I was about to say, I was going to say three weeks for the MVP. So yeah, we're in the same yeah. ballpark that way. Yeah. I feel like that's one thing having pitch projects back and forth to each other, that that's one thing that we're usually on in the ballpark of with, within each other. I remember it used to be pretty random, like something you'd be way out based Something that. I'd be way out pace. But now mm-hmm. we always seem to be like, yeah, a month, you know, three weeks, whatever. Like we're always we're always within the same ballpark. I find with that type yeah. of thing. Same with pricing too. Pricing a client project. So that's one little thing that the listener could take away is like, as you keep proposing these projects and you know whatever to each other as a, as a team or an individual, in this case, in partners, you can you'll slowly sync up your you know the the critical pieces of your proposals.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, we're, like, I, I'm going to mention stuff that is going to be interesting to Matt, obviously, when I'm proposing to Matt. Um, and I'm going to, it's going to be a realistic proposal too. like none of like when we propose, we're not expecting the other person to be super excited about the project. Uh, we're expecting them to actually take it apart as much as possible, yep. possibly can, because we want to make like, if we have two people, we want to make sure that we're a both fully on board. If we ever do a project, that's our big thing is like, we both have to be excited about it and fully on board with it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. We've tried it before where we had like one person half on board, the other person like not really on. Board. Like it's, it's, that, <laughs> one person that doesn't is half work.
0: on board and the other person not on board well, yeah, at all. Like, so it's, it's just true. like, it's a, a total, it's a total farce. Like it's a total yeah, disaster.
1: Total disaster. Don't do that. So be honest with the other person and try to like, try to poke holes on it as much as possible because there are going to be holes like a hundred percent. Like I personally, like if I was poking holes on this thing, I, I haven't checked for a competitor. Maybe there is like a massive competitor that I don't know about. Um, but regardless i just literally thought of this idea and this is what i would do to like i would bring matt on a call and i would tell him just like i told you right now maybe this was a little bit more structured and it's probably a good thing it was a quick you know concise statement yeah i usually blabber about other stuff um but yeah that's it
0: well one one thing the very first thing i thought of when you when you brought this idea is like i like the idea and what the very first the very first sort of UX thing I thought of was this is very much a very much a social thing. And so I thought, and this would be a little bit of barrier to entry, like with the, the accounts, but you I think that it would be awesome to add people to an entry. So for example, if uh if uh let's say it's 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 you, Jeff, and myself, let's just say. Well, we all we all know a man named Jeff. There you go. Uh spoiler alert. Uh so We, let's say Jeff watches Tiger King, loves it, and really watches you to watch it, really wants you to watch it. Now, let's say we're all, you know, in this, in this app and we're all in a friend group of some sort, whatever that is, a new contact list or whatever you want to call it. And he suggests that to you. He can actually add that to either a group where he thinks like, hey, this group of people like would like this, or he can say like, I suggest this to Mike. I also suggest this to Matt. Because Matt and Mike know each other, the app would acknowledge, hey, look, Mike also, whatever. Like, Mike also saw this. But what what I was thinking of is the social aspect goes a little further. What I thought would be awesome would be you and I can check off when we've watched it. Yep. And can comment on it specifically. But we can also do a spoiler filter like you would see. What that does is like, let's say you say like the end of Tiger King, there were space tigers, total fake, you know, but let's just say that's a big spoiler, right? Space tigers fucking flying around. What the hell is going on out there? You take that as a spoiler. Now I see you've commented on it to myself and Jeff and I go, I want to see what the hell he said because I want to know because I know you, you know, it's not just some random movie critic and not some random person. I want to know. So now I have a bit of motivation to go see it. Another thing is, is like if you have a group, bigger group people, like eight, eight friends all together and they do, and you, you know, pitch this to them, you say, Hey guys, I'll watch this. It's almost like peer pressure, but like, you know how, you know how like we all have, all of us have like a block to like, how often do we go and watch a new movie versus how often do we go and rewatch something? Rewatching is so mm-hmm. much easier than getting into something new, especially if yep. it's a show. But if everyone's getting into it then it's a lot easier. Tiger King, prime example.
1: So that's really interesting because – so what I've noticed is with Netflix and binging, it's been really hard to kind of watch shows with people. Yep. Because before when it was weekly releases, you would watch the episode like if The Office came out or Game of Thrones came out, whatever, you would go and talk to your friends about it Mm -hmm. and you'd have a whole week to kind of digest and it wouldn't be a problem with spoilers because everyone would have watched it by then a whole week but now everyone's watching it at their own pace so you never have that opportunity to comment or see other people's comments so i could see that being a pretty big feature and um yeah i like my big thing with 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 this app if i were to create it would be lowest barrier to entry possible so that session based link right if if like just just to get people started but then as you're in the application i would definitely be prompting people to sign up Mm -hmm. With certain prompts like i'd be like hey if you sign up you can you know do those things like comment comment uh comment and see what they're like their progress because if we're integrating with plex netflix and all that maybe we can eventually see a progress indicator like automatically show up
0: now here's a crazy you just gave me another idea here's a crazy idea what if you use this app as a watch list in general so, I go in and I just, let's just say I start cataloging today. Obviously, you're not going to catalog everything I've ever watched. So, I start cataloging today. So, I have recently started watching uh, Money Heist. Watched the first four, four or five episodes of that. Let's say you're going in to Netflix, like you're saying. And it's like like Netflix itself has a barrier to entry because you're like, you're browsing around. There's so much to watch. You don't know what to watch. Usually, go back and watch something you've watched like The Office, jell Boys or something because it's easier, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you might go in and say like, man, I don't know what to watch. You might go into your friends list and maybe filter by Netflix and see that recently I've watched Money Heist. So you might actually comment or even just, you know, text me saying, hey, I saw you watch Money Heist and, you know, I like a bunch of the movies that you like. What do you think about it? And then I can talk to you about it. And then, and you also know that I'm on episode three or four or whatever it is. And so if you blow by me, like you're saying this binging, if you blow by me, you know, good manners dictate you're not going to spoil anything on me so you could use that spoiler tag thing or at the very least know oh he's only on you know season you know season 1 episode 3 still
1: you know what i'm really surprised about why hasn't netflix just you know done this feature you know i i think it's i think it actually comes down to
0: and we were talking about this on my other podcast um not the not the netflix thing but specifically uh jumping genres or jumping core business model. A prime example is EB Games. EB Games is like a struggling retail video game chain. Why the hell don't they buy CDKeys.com, G2A.com, and Green Man Gaming? They sell to the person that's basically kicking them out of the market, which is Steam. They sell Steam keys and those type of things. Buy those damn things and start selling. But for some reason... They have these new, you know, illusions. I would, I don't want to call them illusions of grandeur because they might work. But they, they're, they're, they're like hanging on to this retail space. You know then now they have gaming lounges and stuff, and that might work. You know, whatever. Who knows? You know, however that works. But why, why don't companies? And I see this all the time. I don't want to just keep beating on EB Games. Why don't companies do a jump? Case in point, actually. Blackberry sells freaking trucking software. They made the jump. They're like, "Damn, this phone stuff ain't working out for us." All right, and they go and they make they make a trucking software.
1: Yeah, people are afraid. Be like, companies are afraid to make those jumps. Like, I, biggest thing is Blockbuster, right? They had the opportunity to make that Damn jump. Damn it! Damn at, what was it? Was it a hundred million dollars or something? It like, was something really less. small in comparison to what. Yeah, tours, like it you know? was something co- really, really small at the time. Um, by Netflix but the thing is though is they could have blew it though like 100% l- because
0: they would probably still be focused on the retail and they would probably try to do something like rent it in store and then we'd give you a voucher to watch one movie on our like Netflix service
1: yeah it would be really dumb it would be really a dumb implementation or they could have seen the future of it and slowly phased out their stores
0: or, or actually hypothetically they could have kept the stores and killed streaming hypothetically they could have done that too that would have been
1: fine too yeah but someone else would have came up and, and did it. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure it would have taken maybe longer, but that's it. Netflix wasn't exactly the most like, a pioneer of technology at the time. They were sending out DVDs, and, like oh, through I forgot the mail. about
0: that. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it wasn't it wasn't exactly the same as they were now. They were just starting the streaming service at the time. I think like as a concept more than anything. <clears throat> so it it wasn't the same. But regardless, it's just. The other thing is like with this app, I don't know if I'd want to create too complex of an ecosystem Mm -hmm. as well. Like I do like the social aspect of it. I think you're right. It is a social application. It does get there. I don't know if I'd want to make it like a collection manager. No, no, I I, I agree with you there. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that that would be my line is like, I don't want like a wish list. Maybe like, like I said, you can add your own movies and TV shows. I mean, like you can add your own TV shows to the list, but do you, at what point does it become a manager? Like, I don't want to get, I don't want to get there. I'd rather it be like a collective experience of like, you know, you're right. I have a WhatsApp. I have a few WhatsApp groups that we all talk about movies and sometimes like, you know, new shows that come out and it would be awesome if we were all in the same recommend a show dot, dot IO group. Yeah. And then they could literally just go through there and recommend shows and then put all their spoiler stuff in there. Cause a lot of times stuff gets spoiled or we don't want to talk about certain things. If they put their spoiler stuff on the actual show with a spoiler tag, then, as I watch it, I can open up their converse, that conversation and add to it whenever I get to it. It doesn't have to be an immediate, you know, an immediate reaction. So I do kind of like that. I don't know if people would use it. My biggest concern are: are there already competitors out there? And if this takes off, why doesn't Netflix or Amazon Prime just build it into their systems? Now, the rebuttal to that would be. This kind of goes over all platforms, so it's just it's easier for people, especially if it does take off. But and and it like, doesn't
0: matter what they watched it on if they have an old like yeah. VHS even and they watch it. I mean they've watched it and they can yeah, put it exactly. to their watch list. I, I I I kind of envision this as being the it's almost like a social media network, but it's just solely for your friends and it's solely for. Uh, movies and TV show like it's solely dedicated to that even like you could add other digital media in there like a podcast if someone says like you really need to listen to S-Town games games yeah games is a good one too like any anything that a person tries to get you to do on a normal basis like you got to check out this YouTube channel or you know whatever it is yeah
1: I like that idea games would be an interesting one too though because uh you know different different friend groups play different games at different times Let's say you're part of a bunch of different groups. You can see like what they're playing in real time, almost. So if you have people playing Minecraft at that current time, people would be like, "This is what I'm playing. This is what I suggest you play." Oh and yeah. I could get other. I could get groups together for gaming a lot better.
0: Well, actually, you, when you when you're saying that, uh, you could do. I mean, once we're all out of the house, uh, you could do the same thing for movies. If you put on your yeah. watch list, if you put. Uh, Pulp Fiction. I'll, I'll keep using that. You you put Pulp Fiction on your watch list. I put Pulp Fiction on my watch list. Jeff puts Pulp Fiction on his watch list. The app might be might say like, Hey, you guys should plan a movie night. You all want to watch Pulp Fiction? Yep. Because if you if you notice, and you were mentioning group chats, group chats are a, a conglomerate of everything. And like for example planning in a group chat is an absolute disaster and i don't mean just like planning watching sessions i mean planning anything yeah but also the same the same logistical issues happens to when someone makes a suggestion because someone might be totally not interested you know maybe there's a 6 person group chat and this person meant it for four of the people and so now there's like this big hole you know what i mean where like one person just doesn't care and then he just starts chatting about the regular thing and then that other person's suggestions and everything else gets buried whereas this do you know what this do you know what this is actually kind of like it's the clo- it's close but it's like it's close but far but it's probably the closest that ever came to market google spaces
1: yeah a little bit i agree
0: i remember i, I remember uh ryan the host of my other podcast was super into Super into Spaces, like he was like, like I don't want to talk about Star Wars anywhere else but in here and stuff like that. You know, maybe not that formal, but he would he, he would try to get people to do it. And I was one of those I was one of those jerks. I was like, I'm not freaking using another app.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I think that, like the the problem with Spaces is it's so general. It just sounds like another Google Plus or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just it sounded so general that. It, the I the problem
0: with it was that it was basically like a form Staunted. manager like you you basically you chose yeah. us you, you named your space whatever the heck you wanted, so you could literally name it like bananas and and Samsung phones, like, like literally, yeah, exactly. and then like it was, and then you could talk about anything. It wasn't specific, you know, like a Facebook group. If you make it specific, there's a mod, there's moderators and stuff that keep, you know, keep things in, in, in track and spaces. There's all like moderators. And so I, like I could go into the bananas and Samsung group and start talking about like this plate that's in front of me, you know, I, <laughs> like there's no limit. And so that was always my complaint was that it felt so unofficial because it kind of was
1: unofficial. For sure. And with this app, I would see it. I would, I wouldn't put like an open forum in each. Oh, group, no. You know no, what no. I mean? Like, because what, like WhatsApp and all the other apps already handle that. That's, they're great for group chatting. I'm not, I don't want to solve group chatting. I want to make it specific and very deliberate. So if you want to talk about a specific show and a specific episode about a show, you go to that episode and you talk about it. Yeah. That's it. That's all, like, and you can put your comments there, or whatever, so that you can, again, avoid spoilers and be very deliberate in your conversations. Because no one's going to go to this app to chat. Like, I don't want that.
0: No, like, maybe the comments. Like, I like the idea of just having the comment where I just go, like, I don't know. The tw- like, I mean, this is a, this is a cliche of anything, but, like, the twist in this episode's crazy. And I mark that as a spoiler. I like that as being sort of, like, the breadcrumb to, to get you to catch up. Like, if you're an episode or two behind, you're like, damn, what the hell did he say? And then you go through, but but not like a. You're right, not like an active back forth, back forth, back forth, back forth.
1: Yeah, but yeah. So this, if we had the time to do something like this, this could be a potential thing that we would do. We would vet pretty significantly, obviously any competitors if they are out there. I haven't heard of one, but there might be. Um, and then we would probably nail down our tech stack a little bit more, get our designs going. Like you would be in charge of the designs. Mm-hmm. And then the UX, um, like probably me too. Yeah, you would be in charge of the UX completely. Uh, yeah, that's that's how we would go about it. But eventually, like this would be just you know the the first session that we're having right now would just be kind of like plant the idea in 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 your head. Yeah, in my head, think about it for a week, like you know have a cool down period. Think about all the issues that could potentially be there. We'll think about all the potential good things that could we could add to it. Or like change the MVP, whatever. Or in this case, what
0: is actually a good thing is we've had quite a few ideas like this where you even say like, "This is an this is an add on to your idea." You know this this yep. was just a fluke that this happened because I didn't even know what your idea yep. was. But there have been
1: things where you're like, "Hey,
0: you know what? I've actually been thinking about something similar, and we could tack it onto your idea." That's happened several times in the past, and vice versa exactly. as well.
1: Exactly. So that's that's I mean that's how these go. I don't know. There's not much more to say. Um, We don't go, we don't go, we don't dive too deep in the initial conversations because, again, there's no point. Mm -hmm. There's no point. It should be, it should be very high level. It should be, uh, you know, at a very easy discussion. Any potential issues right away out there and then just think about it.
0: And to the listener out there, too, um, this went rather smooth, like really smooth. This, This is how it normally goes for us now. But it absolutely did not go this way for the first couple of years. So I want to make that clear is that Mike and I are almost – well, we are literally practiced in talking to each other about pitching ideas. And I know because I've, like, worked with Mike for a while and, you know, vice versa, that we know what questions each other are going to ask. So in my own idea making, if I'm going to talk to Mike about an idea, assuming it wasn't just on the spot, I'll actually come up with the answer to those questions because I know he's going to ask those. And I'm sure he does the same thing for me as well. We know how that works. And we just know how – We know how you know how each other think to an extent especially when it comes to proposals like this so if you go to talk to somebody and you're like damn it wasn't as smooth as that and it obviously this was not scripted so it's not like the smoothest oscar award winning you know talk about a movie app but like i mean that was uh, i didn't realize it's kind of not a pun but that's kind of related damn it anyway (laughs) (laughs) but you, you, you get what i'm saying is like you're you need to be practiced at doing this so pitch ideas like Write them down and and like I write them down and I mean to be trendy I write them down in Samsung Notes with my friggin' S Pen, uh, <laughs> but that's what I do and then I like bring them up to Mike and and that that that's the way it goes so, um, but yeah uh, I think I think we'll move on to the web news which is I guess the more traditional part of the show this week um, um I actually lost my paper Matt
1: I I actually have to take off
0: oh I guess it has already been like an hour so. yeah it's
1: been over over an hour but. My recommendation maybe this week we do a separate web news episode. Uh as a tidbit. Cuz we do have a we do have yeah as a tidbit. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cuz we do have a good web news and I do want to talk about it. Um I don't know if you want to preview it or not or Yeah, I'll give surprise. you a little
0: um yeah. I'll give you a little actually It's based I the idea came from an episode and I'll continue listening to the episode so I'll just do a real brief explanation and then so the web news this week is peer-to-peer versus centralized. And I'm listening to a podcast, uh, a Joe Rogan podcast. I've not completed it. And it, as of writing this web news, I did not complete it. But I'll probably complete the episode tonight. Uh, I believe it's with a person named Bill Ottman, the person who made the Minds Social Network. And he had some ideas. I'm not getting into how Minds works and stuff. It's just some ideas on how cloud computing is and should be. It's just some, whatever. So this, it's just inspired, I want to be clear, it's just inspired by some of the things that he said. And then I put my own things in here uh, and that type sort of thing. It just got me thinking about this generalized topic. So peer-to-peer versus centralized, that's the little thing. And it'll probably be a tidbit either this before the next episode, before episode yeah. whatever, I don't even know what this episode this is. This is ninety two. So before episode ninety three, uh, there'll be a tidbit that does this peer to peer versus centralized. But uh, sounds I'm, good. I'm going to run the old conclusion here now. So uh, thank you for listening, and make sure you don't miss a, the episode. Mi- don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials via at html all the things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter via at html everything. We're on Medium and we're on GitHub. And remember, we're also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML. the things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript, find him at youtube.com slash RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design, find him at LocalPathComputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital, find him at BlueBlackDigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer, find him at SelfmadeWebDesigner.com. Tim from The WebHacker, find him at TheWebHacker.com and DL Ford from dlford.io. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on, and we are signing off.